one thing that's guaranteed in life. We are all dying. And it's what legacy are you going to leave behind for your loved ones? This industry is archaic, unfortunately. And so I think there's so much opportunity right now. There's really not many female owners in the industry. I took the commission-only job and thought, I'm just going to grind now where I'm making no money and it will pay off later. I don't need to find a comfortable job. I need right. to find one that has a lot of upside. If you want to have a family and you want to have the opportunity to make a lot of money and you want to have the flexibility, yeah. it provides all of it. All of it. You're about to see a podcast with Nicole Rex from Watermark Life. And as you watch the podcast, we don't do a great job of giving it context. So Nicole and Watermark are what we would call wholesalers for the life insurance industry. They assist retail agents like myself at Greyhawk with getting policies taken care of, making sure they're done properly, quoting them for us. Just know that they're an insurance wholesaler and they are the best at what they do. Well, everyone, welcome to the Risky Assets Podcast here for episode three with our good friend, Nicole Rex from Watermark Life. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, First. Excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. First for a bunch of us. uh, First female. Oh, you know, it's a big deal, especially in insurance or it's a it's a big deal you don't see often. And uh, we're excited to have you. And um, just kind of wanted to start off with maybe your background. Like, how did you get to a place where you're running an insurance agency. Like, tell us the backstory. It's a long, long road. I want to hear it. All right. Let's do it. So I graduated San Diego State, moved back home, took a job for a hedge fund out in Century City, loved working in the financial industry, but um, really didn't understand what the heck I was doing. So (laughs) hedge fund, though, like, did you actually do the financial services for hedge fund? I didn't. I was an executive assistant and their conference planner. So I was planning a conference in New York once a year and one in Las Vegas and basically bringing investors and banks to these two cities to kind of meet each other. And so loved seeing all the money transactions taking place. That was very exciting for me. Um, And then Unfortunately, 2008 hit and the market crashed and I lost my job. So I ended up talking to one of my father's best friends who is also in this industry, the insurance industry. And he talked me into getting licensed and eventually got licensed and went to work for him. So loved working for his company. It was a great experience, but decided along the way that, hey, I think I want to do this on my own. And why not? Because there's really no other female owners of BGAs in the industry. There's a few of us. There's not too many though. Were you selling life insurance for him? I was actually recruiting other insurance agents and agencies. uh, So wholesaling. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And how long did you work for him for? About a year and a half, almost two years. Okay. So you went from a year and a half in the insurance game to saying, okay, now I can do it. Yeah. That's (laughs) fascinating. I didn't know that. I didn't either. I mean, like it took us on the PNC side, like for me, five years to feel comfortable enough to be like, all right, I could do this on my own. Right. What? Do you feel like it was the training or did you just feel like I'm just going to figure it out as I go? I think that I just felt the confidence in the relationships that I was building sure. to where it's like, okay, I think I've got this down. I'm going to give it a go. And so on the flip side, I had my brother-in-law in who was working for a competitive agency at sure. the time. His name's Neil. And so Neil was, you know, Neil and I were having dinner, family dinners once a week, at least together. And yeah. so he started kind of buzzing in my ear a little bit. Hey, you want to... Okay, so he was pushing you up. He was looking to leave where he was at. Sure. Uh, likewise, I I was enthralled with the money he was making, and I was kind of, <laughs> okay, sure. uh, this is interesting, yeah, sure. right? So long story short, we decided, okay, let's start Watermark together. And so we did that in 2011 at the very end of the year, and my husband's job relocated us to San Diego. So I okay. started the company remotely from San Diego. Our office was still in Westlake Village okay. at the time. And so out of a second bedroom in a high rise in San Diego, looking over wow. Petco Park is no where I started way. the company. That's wow. so fun. Yeah. So just the two of you to start, did you have any employees? Uh, no, at that point in time, it was just okay, the two Okay, so of just us. you two. And then fast forward today, how many people? There's 17 of us now. That's fantastic. So, That's yeah. phenomenal. We were working with another wholesaler mm-hmm. and maybe not having the success that we really wanted to. Yeah. And as we reached out and we were looking for a better partnership, we ended up finding uh, you guys. So for, our, for people watching, what do you do for agents like us in general? We try to really like pour in a ton of education to you guys and help you guys get your businesses like off the ground and started. You guys are expected to do so much on the day to day, right? It's it's nearly impossible for you to be successful and handle all of those different facets of your business, right? So you're either really good at sales, you're really good at running the business, 
you name it. Mm-hmm. So our job is to fill in what isn't your strongest point, right? And so that's what we do, okay. I think, best is we've noticed, okay, each agent and agency is so different mm-hmm. too. So with you guys, it might be the marketing support, right? For another agent, it might be the education and um, just bringing sales ideas to them or whatnot. So sure. I think that's where we differ from many of our competitors is that we truly like to ingrain ourselves into our agents and our agencies' businesses and really mm-hmm. truly understand what you guys do best yeah. and then fill in where you guys aren't doing the best. So we've seen it just from our conversations and like experiences with you guys. I mean, we haven't experienced a integration from an mm-hmm. outside company into our company as like deeply as you have, right? As far right. as Watermark, because you guys said, okay, what are you not good at? And let, let us just do it for you. Right. So I say babysitting, but you guys really become the rest of our team and have really yeah. helped us do what we do well, yeah. which is more sales, right? Like we're, we're better in front yes. of people, but doing all the illustrations and all the other yes. stuff, I'm not the guy for that. Like <laughs> it's just not ideal for someone like me. Yeah. So we've seen the support and uh, it's been fantastic for us. Uh, I think one of the questions tying into that for us is like, okay, female ownership. Yeah. How many of that you know, right? You said it's a small group. I want to say there's probably less than... 20 in the United States. That's so crazy. Yeah. Charlie's talked a lot about the opportunities that, that women have in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, what's caused you to see that where you've seen an opportunity there? And then I would just love to get your feedback on, on yeah, his, so his thought process. My opinion of it is that women just in general have a different way of doing business. Okay. Completely. And yes. they have a more nurturing uh, way about them. Men have this like, I'm going to sell it to you. Okay. And <laughs> That has its place in the world, but it also turns so many people off. I don't like being sold. Mm -hmm. And I'm really cognizant of that. And women in general just have this softer approach to it. You don't feel like they're just like jamming a a product down your throat that you want them to buy. And they're underserved. And I I say that not just like a hot word, but there's just an insurance. It's a 58 year old white man is what you're going to find. Right. So you guys come into it and your business is very different than the other wholesalers that we've dealt with who are men. It's just. You can really tangibly feel it. So, and then on your end, what do you see? Yeah, so when I got started in this business, and still to this day, I would say, even though there's more women joining, um, it is male dominant. Completely. (laughs) Go to any conference, and it's all men around me, Mm -hmm. which plays to a huge advantage being a woman, because I found at a young age, when I got into this business in my 20s, that Men want to talk to women. As sexist as that sounds, it's true. Sure. They are drawn like to is. another woman yeah. in the room. They don't want to talk to another man. It's more fun to sit at the bar with another woman, right? Yeah. And so that's where I found a lot of success is at conferences and just talking to people because I had the upper hand in the room, right? Yeah. And just networking. Yeah. And so then once you can actually prove to them that you have a brain and you know what you're talking about, <laughs> right? You have to say it's that. It's even more intri- <laughs> it's intriguing yeah. to yeah. them. So as bad as that sounds, it's true. Uh, I just used it to my advantage. I think that's a very natural way to see it. For so sure. as far as other strengths that women have, I mean, you can even point your own strengths out. So Dallas. we're multitaskers. Yeah. That's a huge yeah. one. Yeah. Because yeah. men are focused, right? Eye on the prize, get the sale, right? Mm-hmm. Close the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're always thinking of the next sale. They're yeah. not thinking of like nurturing the mm-hmm. relationship or, yeah. you know, seeing the case through or whatnot. And so I feel like, again, women have an upper hand in this business because there's so many different facets in the sense of when you're, you know, you make the sell, then you've mm-hmm. got to go through underwriting. You've mm-hmm. got to schedule this. You've got to do that. You've got to now do enforced policy services. I think women have a really great touch on all of those. You guys do it better than yeah. anyone else we've worked with. And we've just seen it. And I am the typical male. Like I sell it and then I'm like, Della, I need you to run the rest of it. I just mm-hmm. don't okay. have the capacity to sit there and go, okay, right. now I need to get other paperwork from you. And run this by another underwriter or whatever it is. I'm just not built that way. So we always talk about an entrepreneurial strength is knowing what you are and what you aren't Mm -hmm. and playing to the strength. So you guys do that well. I feel like we do it well and we've been able to complement each other. Fantastic. And it's been a really great relationship. And uh, I mean, everyone should use you guys, but at the same time, we don't because we're we're green. That's true. true. We don't want you overloaded because we want you you to focus. I'll just hire more people. Just hire more people. I love it. I love it. Um, Well, I would say even our our experiences with your agency from the get-go, even walking into your offices, mm-hmm. the environment is just different. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful office space. It's well designed. Thank you. you can tell that um, that you've put in a lot of work there. You yeah. know, with your team, a lot of thoughtfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just from just from colors and all the glass and the natural light and everything that's in there. Thanks. We just we love going out there. We're out there 
probably once a month at this point, sometimes twice a month yeah. for different, yeah. you know. Breakfast is good. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, you do that too. You're like, come on yeah. in, we'll feed you. And then, you know, you can right? sit through a, you know, through a training session and things like that. But ultimately yeah. it gives you a pulse, I think on us and on our business ongoing, which is a huge testament to, to you guys and what you do well. Yeah, it has always been extremely important for me to have the office um, as a place where people could go to and be happy yeah. and escape like the realities of the world. So Watermark, I call is my first child. Sure. I started the company before I had any of my three children. Okay. And so I kind of treat it as my first child too, sure. <laughs> to some degree. Um, but once I did start having children, right, it was such a nice reprieve to go to each day and um i i tried to make it feel that way for all of my employees as well is yeah. like hey let's all come together as a family like we all choose to work with each other every single day yeah. let's make it the most comfortable the best environment those types of things yeah. so these are also things that you're talking about that just men don't have that yeah. mindset it's like you get in you work you, you crank work, work, work. and by the way yeah. i'm that way so he has to be the HR middle person because otherwise I'd be like, everyone needs to have their foot flat on the gas pedal. Yeah. Otherwise I'm not happy, right? <laughs> right? So we have balance in that, but you just have that feel where it's like, it's a little bit more calming. Right. It's not as like, hey, I'm gonna wring your neck if you're yeah. not doing what I'm asking. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a yeah. great thing, honestly. Well, we had our air conditioner went out in our building oh, no. yesterday Ooh. and you know, Santa Clarita, it's 115 degrees outside <laughs> yeah. right now. And Bad our air timing. conditioner went out yesterday and you could just see it on his face that he was like, people are gonna have to go work from home which means they're going to be less efficient, which means <laughs> all like, of things drive me nuts. <laughs> you know? And because the way I am, I was like, Daniel, you have to go talk to landlord because I am the wrong guy <laughs> yeah, for this right. job right exactly. now. You know? So it's too well, funny. Well, and to play into that a little bit more, during COVID, all of the employees chose to come back into the office every day, mm -hmm. which was amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just showed it's exactly. a testament to you yeah. and, and what you guys do well as a team, for sure. Yeah. I think we've talked about a lot of the positives. You kind of mentioned the negative of you know being a female that you almost have to tell people or show people you have a brain which right. is a Prove really it. tough thing to like even have to say what are some other challenges that you see just being a female owner in the insurance business um well first being a young female was sure. probably the toughest yeah. uh my age definitely was a huge deterrent for men uh when i was networking it was how old are you you're in your 20s you know nothing like have you even bought your first home yet do you even know what a right. mortgage is those types of things wow. right oh, okay so yeah. there were many obstacles to overcome thankfully i had my business partner at the time neil to kind of like add yeah. some age to the sure. to us uh however gosh other I'm trying to think other you were obstacles. 25 right when you basically started I it I so i started insurance at 22. okay i was married at that point already mm -hmm. and i had to show in my binder that i was married i'd walk in looking like a fetus no way but i'd have my binder <laughs> oh, with wow. my wife there and they would almost go oh oh maybe he's older than yeah. he looks right? right but my age was a tough deal on top of being a female i can see how that was a struggle yeah and then having kids right that pulls you yeah. away as well yeah. From, yeah. from your job duties as well so that was another obstacle to overcome. Thankfully, I mean, I think we do such a great job for our clients that they just know like, hey, if I've got to take off early and bring a kid to the doctor or I have a sick kid at home or I need to be at my son's football game, whatever the case is, that yeah. they're they're so understanding at of this course. point in time. Of course. Um, but it was an obstacle, right, when I was pregnant and giving birth and those types of things to be out of the office. Um, but yeah. yeah. Do you think insurance afforded you because I have an opinion of insurance that mm -hmm. it's probably the best kept secret. It's because it has such a negative connotation, connotation that it mm -hmm. is a best kept secret for people who are doing it well. And honestly and ethically, I think is another part of that. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you feel like though, if you were in like a corporate banking job, do you feel like you could have done the kids thing the way you did with an no. insurance? It's impossible, right? Heck no. Yeah. Insurance I has so luxury, much flexibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Complete luxury of making my own schedule, right? I earn as much as I want to earn, mm -hmm. right? It's all yeah. based on my schedule and how motivated I am to get out. And if I know I've got three hours in a day because I'm going to take the rest of the day off to either travel or go be with my kids or my husband, I know I've got three hours to grind. And yeah. so I think that's the beauty of our industry, it's the beauty right? Of it. It's I do kids time, put them to bed, and then I'll sit yeah. there on my laptop and work. I can still do Ditto. my job after it. It's not like it's, you know, nine to five Absolutely. and I can still make all the money I've been making right. just with the effort yeah. for me. So, and I, I used to work a four day work week for five or six years. I golfed every Friday yeah, and people were great. like, oh, he's not working enough. I was working every night to make sure yeah. I was got, you know, got everything taken care of. So some of my best years have been when I've traveled the most actually. And it's just being out and about meeting so new people, efficient. right? Yeah. And you're being yeah, exactly right. We talked about that last time too. The amount of deals that I've closed on vacation, yeah. like 
looking over a river or, you know, at Disney World or Absolutely. whatever. It's like those are opportunities that are available to us in our industry. I want that my I, producers to be selling yeah. insurance in Florence, Italy. Like that to me is my dream Absolutely. for myself yeah. and for yeah. other people. I want to create that atmosphere. It's a really healthy work-life balance. I think that's so totally. important. Insurance is really stressful for small amounts of time, really small increments. Mm -hmm. The rest of it is really flexible. And I think that's also for me, and you can attest to it because uh, I've had this opinion, but I think more women need to be in it. And I don't think they see it as this like maybe dream right. that, that could be fulfilled in the space. Yeah. But like if you want to have a family and you want to have the opportunity to make a lot of money and you want to have the flexibility, yeah. it provides all of it. All of it. Yeah. And, you know, and I just don't think enough people see it. Well, and we just we interviewed a young lady um, yeah. just, just a few weeks ago that we yeah. felt, you know, we still feel like would do yeah. a really great job um, as a broker. And we were talking to her just about the fact that, you know, her and her husband have talked about family planning in the future. And we said, look, mm, if it doesn't phase us, it doesn't phase us at all. And right. if this is, you know, if you want to build up a book of clientele that you want to continue to manage from home for a mm -hmm. period of time or whatever that looks like for you, like we're open to that discussion. Right. Um, I think a huge deterrent from women, especially young women getting into the business is that there's not a steady income, right? It's all yeah. commission driven. And for young women, it's tough because right, you get out of college, you graduate and you're expecting to make this like, healthy income or salary, right? And yeah. when someone tells you, oh no, we're gonna hire you for commission only, that's a huge deterrent, right? Yeah. I took advantage of that though. I leaned on I leaned on my husband's income to really carry us during that time. Hmm. And I took the commission only job and thought, you know what, I'm just gonna take this time and really grind now where I'm making no money and it will pay off later because I, yeah. I believe in myself. I know it's going to happen. I did the same thing. So my wife was my sugar mama and it was fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, Good I loved you. it. But she was doing TV editing and making enough money to where I was like, I don't need to find a comfortable job. I need right. to find one that has a lot of upside. Yeah. So the insurance game was perfect for that. So you're talking about the commission thing. Do you want yeah. me to go first or do you want to go first? We're, go for it. No. Okay, we haven't no. talked about this, by the way. But, no, we haven't. Um, so in general... And I'm going to make it <laughs> try not to be harsh, but I'm, I'm also going to be a little harsh. Um, I see a lot of stuff on social media. It's these bullpens of guys and some females who are straight commission yep. right away. And they're raw rawing each other up and they're selling life insurance to mm -hmm. people. They're talking not about what's good for the client, but what's good for them. The of course. Commission. Yeah. And I think the life insurance commission structure incentivizes is all wrong. It does. Yeah, it incentivizes it's poor backwards. sharky behavior. It does. Um, and you know this from being an owner, right? You incentivize the things you want. So when insurance companies say, hey, I'll pay you this much commission up front. It's hard to look the other way. You, ha you have to understand human nature to <laughs> right. say like, they're going to sell a product no matter if it's good for the client or not. Right. It matters what's good for the pocketbook. And it's just such a negative thing that needs to get flipped. I think it needs to go like PNC where you're creating a cash flow business yep. and it's renewable income and like some sort some sort of formula that says you get paid this much percentage every year on the policy. Absolutely. Just like everything else. Because if you're like, hey, I'm going to make 10 grand on one sale, it's different than I'm going to make $1,000 over 10 years exactly. or 2000 over five. Correct. Right. Yeah. And that incentivizes different behavior on mm -hmm. top of that, different buying patterns on top of that. Yeah. So. You said it perfectly. Okay. Well, that's great. Because, you know, like, I, I've <laughs> really exactly only... exactly what I was going to okay, say. Okay. Well, then shoot. That's all. <laughs> um, no, no. So the other part, the commission thing, yeah. right? We've always talked about there's a need for a salary up front that doesn't need to get paid back. Mm -hmm. Even if you're going to go straight commission. Right. Some sort of weaning process. Because if you tell them, hey, go straight out the gate, straight commission you're bound to get them to say something. They're not supposed to just to get a sale. Of course, they're gonna sell whatever the, has the highest comp, right? That they yeah. can pay their bills with. Mm -hmm. And they're not gonna be looking at what's best for the client's right. financial picture, so. 20 hours and a test, that's it. It's not a lot. What do you think should be done to one, make the barrier to entry more difficult? Cause I think it needs to be harder to get into the insurance game in general. It does, it should be like studying for like your your series seven, right? Like um, the FINRA test and mm -hmm. whatnot. Yeah. I think it's really important to make the barrier of entry harder, uh, more stringent. And then also, I truly believe that the insurance companies really need to wrap their heads around the commission structure. They need to think it all backwards. I because agree. They're sick of seeing all of these bad insurance policies being written, right? Yeah. But they're creating the they're problem. They're incentivizing Yeah, they're that. motivating they that behavior. And even furthermore, their sales reps, right, sometimes are even pushing that even along. We've got to make sales goals. We've got to do this. Any big IULs you're going to be selling, right? And it's right. giving a really horrible rap to 
the industry as a whole. And so it's really unfortunate. The honest ethical becomes difficult and we talk about it and it's really hard to say it because we illustrate so different and you guys do it too, where Mm -hmm. it's like, you're really conservative and then you'll go to someone else and they're illustrating home runs, if not like grand slams. And you're like, the, yeah, you're going to miss the ball 99% of the time in some of those ways, but it looks way better than what we're illustrating. Phenomenal. So, you know, those people are either going to get sued or that client's going to be really unhappy, but that takes years to develop. And that person may not even be in the business because of the nature of the turn in insurance. You see that happen. So it's a really poor setup. And we see on Instagram, all these guys in a bullpen, they're roided out, you know, it's boiler room. room. And you're like, all those clients are going to get screwed. Yeah. If if not most of them. And uh, yeah, so that's the part for us where we want to be honest, ethical businessmen who are saying, hey, we're going to employ people on top of it who line up with our values. They're not going to be wondering where their next meal is coming from. Because I mean, that's a real thing that you have to worry about. You're incentivizing them to go, I need to sell, I need to sell, I need to sell. Yeah. Which you do, but you need to do it in the right way. Yeah. And And I think education is the top priority there, right? Is making sure that you're dumping all your time, resources, and energy into educating your employees and educating the clients, right? And always putting them first and making sure that they truly understand what they're purchasing and why it fits into their financial picture versus someone else's, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that they truly understand all of that. So when when we handle a sale, right? If you came to us with one of your clients and you're like, hey, help us on this case. Right. We'd make sure, okay, let's understand you guys are handling their finances. Okay, this is what they're doing. This Mm -hmm. is what their financial picture looks like. Great. Now let's see how we can back into what strategy works best for them, right? And now we're going to educate that client on why that strategy fits within their financial portfolio and why it's benefiting them, right? And then ultimately we'll pick the perfect product to go behind that and back it. Sure, We love that. And we had a conversation with David Baldwin and he was Mm -hmm. uh, competing on a premium finance deal with somebody. And he just asked the simple question to the, I think it was another attorney or a CPA or somebody. He was Mm -hmm. like, how much are you making on that deal? (laughs) Because he started to sniff out that I don't think this is good for the client. I just think it's good for the agent who's trying to sell this other product. And sure enough, it was almost double what you guys were making on the deal. And plain and simple, you could see that like the illustration was better. The commission was bigger. But I think year he, he told us year 15 or 20. It was not even close to what you guys had because yeah. it just was out of whack. And they were trying to make more money right on their end. And, you know, so we've seen that that's a really big part of the business that gets overlooked is that like, can you be honest and ethical? Yeah. Every time I hire someone, it's we need to make sure that you can go to bed every night being mm-hmm. able to sleep with a clear conscience. Like you need to make sure that in a year or two from now, we're not waking up with a lawsuit at our at our door, right? Yeah. We need to make sure that we're taking care of the clients. Like we want our clients and our, our friendships and our agencies, right? And our yeah. relationships around for the long haul. This is not a short term, like turn and burn type shop. So I think another part that you guys have the advantage of that we talk about is that I don't just want to sell life insurance to somebody. We do no. PNC, we do personal, we have all these lines. So I'm more concerned about the holistic picture and of not course. just one line. If you have a life-only license, I guarantee you, you're going to act different than I do. Mm-hmm. So, and that's because we have other lines. You guys sell other things, right? So not only is it life insurance, but explain what else Watermark does. So life insurance, long-term care, disability insurance, mm-hmm. and annuities. Mm-hmm. And then we're actually just about to break ground into the Medicare supplement space as well. So we have a ton of agents that are already selling it. And if they're doing all of their life, long-term care, annuity. It makes perfect sense. Why not do their Medicare with us as well? So that's great. And so again, that's that holistic picture of we're looking for more than just one thing. We're not just trying to be sharky on the one line and make as much as possible on that line of business. Exactly. How do you structure when people come in to work for you? Do you pay them a salary with a bonus structure? Like how does that look? So I typically will start them on a draw. So we're paying them X amount of thousands of dollars a Mm -hmm. month. Right. And then when they start closing business, either the whole draw or a portion of that draw is now payable back Mm -hmm. to us when they close business Mm -hmm. based off their commissions. Does that go for six months, a year? How long do you guys play that out? Some people, three months. If I I know they're coming in with experience and they're just making, you know, an agency shift, right? Or if they have no experience, it's typically six to eight months, actually. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. At least they have something to live on. Exactly. It gives them something, you know, it feeds their family, it pays their mortgage each month, but yeah. then it also keeps them hungry and knowing that, hey, you got to you gotta go out there. And Yeah, we do something similar. We don't have a, a draw, but we actually cut salary every quarter. Oh, So we basically say, hey, we know you need like this, that. but every yeah. quarter we just yeah. cut it. 
So in a year's time, it's over, but mm -hmm. you have to pay us anything back. But you know you need to be able to, yeah. like, chop, chop. That, you right. need to be able yeah. to go. Yeah. So that way it doesn't, again, incentivize negative behavior, which is what you guys are doing, too, with the draw. Right. So exactly. really love that. It aligns well, too, with the way that we get paid because the compensation on PNC is a little bit different than compensation on long term. On, yep. Yeah. yeah. So PNC is a is a is a long burn. Slow and steady. Yep. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Slow and steady, nice. long burn. Yeah. And so the tail works to where, you know, as we cut quarterly, mm -hmm. then it fills in with renewals and things like that, where yeah. a bulk of life insurance commission is more on the front it's end. It's all up front. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's a little bit easier. I remember I was telling uh, the old company that I used to work for was mm -hmm. I was a captive agent for them and a friend who was in the broker space. He was like, well, if you need to make an additional $5,000 a month, he's mm -hmm. like, you can do that with X amount of life insurance sales. But my compensation at life insurance with that captive company right. was so low compared to what his was as a broker that when I told him my life insurance commissions, he was shocked by it. Yeah, right. shocked <laughs> yeah. by it. Most um, people are. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, if I need to make an extra five grand a month, well, then I just right. know, you know, I need to work through my life insurance prospects and work through those lists in order to sell those things to compensate for that income. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work that way for me <laughs> in my current, uh, you know, captive structure. Right. Have you guys come across where a client of yours has said, hey, how much are you making on this deal? That's happened a couple of times. It doesn't really phase me that much. We're mm -hmm. quoting things, right, with, with right. minimums, right? We're not trying to like up the death of benefit course. like crazy so we can make more commissions. Right. So if they're asking me, they're asking the other guy. Mm -hmm. And my number is probably going to be lower. lower. So, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not concerned about, it. again, for me, I'm not only concerned about the life deal. I'm concerned mm -hmm. about all of it. So I don't mind telling people. Have you had that conversation? All the time. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And even clients will say like, well, I'll only do the deal with you if you give me some of the money back. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. It does like, not yeah. work like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. So the laborers do his wages. Exactly. This is like a two to three month ordeal, right? Yeah. We're going to go through underwriting. And then I've got this policy on the books for the rest of your life so yeah. i've got to make sure it's, we're managing it we see that on the pnc side people want a commission cut back i'm like hey yeah, I heard that's we a did a good thing, job right. yeah you should pay for it exactly yeah. we had a um a podcast with a investment advisor Stephen mm -hmm. johns and we talked about how a lot of people want to talk about retirement and nobody wants to talk about dying mm -hmm. uh, but that seems <laughs> yeah. to be a, a, a hurdle for our industry yes. what have you run into in that regards and how do you help people think through that the long and short is it's inevitable. We one for sure thing, one thing that's guaranteed in life. 100%. We are all dying yep. yeah. at some point in time, right? Yeah. And it's what legacy are you going to leave behind for your loved ones? How much sure. do you love them? Yeah. <laughs> right? Sure. How do you want to be remembered? Yeah. So um, it's a really difficult conversation. Obviously, you've got to handle it with kid gloves, but it is definitely something that needs to be talked about. And if you don't, your family ends up in a super unfortunate situation. Yeah. And why would you want to do that to your loved ones? Right. Well, one of the questions that we sent your yeah. direction was like, we see people crowdsource when somebody passes away without, without proper life insurance protection in, in place. And like you said, there is an inevitable situation for everybody. Have you seen, you know, crowdsourcing for life insurance? Yes. And what does that do to you mentally thinking about your profession and what you do for a living? Well, first I want to start with, I think that when something's incredibly unfortunate happens when someone passes away unexpectedly. The fact that people actually rally and are willing yeah. and are sure. so selfless to like give money is yeah. absolutely incredible, but that's not guaranteed by any yeah. means. And so in my opinion, it's again, we know it's, we know we're going to die one day. So let's guarantee that our kids and our families and our husbands are taken care of. Right. Sure. Yeah. And it hurts my heart when I see it, because even if you get 50, hundred thousand from that, crowdsourcing yeah. like you know <laughs> i pay 90 dollars a month for three yeah. million dollars of term mm -hmm. my family's not it's crazy it's going to be really great it's really inexpensive on that end right, right? and my kids won't have to worry about what's going to happen exactly. my wife won't have to worry and any money they do get from their community can be used for other things or they can even give it back i mean they're just not going to be in the position to yeah to need right and that hurts my heart when i see people just I just need this to get by for a couple months until i go back to work right yeah. right that hurts you don't really think about the end no. And the consequences sometimes of what your family's going to have to go through. So I actually have a really great story to share. Um, extremely unfortunate and very sad story, but a perfect example of this question specifically. Uh, a few years back at the Route 91 Festival, oh, yeah. one of my uh, sister-in-law's best friends was unfortunately shot in the head and killed. And she had reached out to me two years prior, I think, for life insurance. And mm -hmm. so she was a single mom at the time when she passed away. Mm -hmm. She had three children that she was the sole provider for. Wow. 
and no life insurance. And it was like my largest regret to this day in life that I didn't push more with her to like put it in her head. Like, Hey, this is absolutely a necessity. You have three children that you're providing for what happens to them if you die unexpectedly. And when you're in your twenties, early thirties, it's hard to think about it. it, It's so hard to conceptualize that that's going to happen, but unfortunately things happen. Right. And so, um, the long and short is people raised over, I think, $1.5 million for her children. Wow. That's amazing. And then, unfortunately, someone got a hold of the money and didn't treat it right. And they didn't, um, They, I, I don't even know how much the kids ended up with, but sure. I know that it was used for other means. And so it's just really unfortunate. Yeah. 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 It's a really sad story. I think this is a good segue because for us, we do have a passion for insurance. I know it's really hard to find it Mm -hmm. in a sense. What got you to be passionate about it? Honestly, it was just the flexibility, right? So I, again, going back to Mm -hmm. my, the days when I started in the financial industry and just at the hedge fund is I was working crazy hours, right? Nights, weekends, of course, you know, and I had no time to go date my husband, Mm -hmm. you know, my fiance at the time having a family was completely out of the picture. There yeah. was no way. How am I going to raise a family right. if I'm gone every weekend working sure. nights, right? And so, I mean, that really played into a huge part of mm-hmm. why I stuck in the insurance business is the flexibility of, of our, our schedules. And then obviously the, the pops of money you can make, right, as well. That's also a huge negative though, as well, is because you've got to really understand how to budget your life too, because sure. sometimes you're only closing a, a deal or two in a month and then other months you're closing... 10 deals, right? Yeah. So you really have to learn how to budget your money. That's very important in this industry. But what I'm really passionate about is just going back to my friend's unfortunate story. It's yeah. just really helping families have security and knowing that no matter what, their children, their families, their loved ones are going to be cared for. Yeah. So um, I okay. have a true passion just for people and relationships. And I love, I have like a gazillion friends because I could never have too many. Like <laughs> I just love it. And so it's funny because a lot of people will say, you know, when you go out and you're networking, Nicole, it's not even like you're selling, like you yeah. just, it's a natural way of doing it. And it's yeah. just because I love to meet new people. I love to hear their stories. Like they always naturally will ask in return about mine. And so it's very, it's just so easy. I'm passionate about people. Yeah. So, and then insurance just kind of plays a part in that. So I've always talked about the different methods of selling. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in your face sales, no. right? And so everyone has their place. Right. You don't have to be this like exactly. salesman that no. people think of. And I think it's a bad thing on top of it <laughs> uh, in a lot of insurance uh, scenarios. So it's, it's not a t-shirt you're trying to sell. So no. it has to feel different, which is what you're talking about, the relationship part. Exactly. It's really important. Again, another segue, like Watermark. Yeah. Right now it's it's doing amazing. It's growing. I'm assuming yeah. you're going to need more people as yes. we keep throwing you know stuff on the books and more and more you know yeah. agents work with you. What's Exciting. the long-term vision, right? What's 10 years, 20 years yeah. from now? Growth, like? growth is always the always. goal. Always, it has to. Always, have. it has to. So uh, continuing to grow, but while we grow, be very mindful of growing pains. We, I have seen in the past, Watermark's past, that when we grow too fast, bad things happen, right? Sure. And so you have to take a very calculated uh, move forward each time you grow, right? Baby steps mm. almost. Um, and then always be forward thinking, right? So where is the industry headed? This industry is archaic, unfortunately. And so I think there's so much opportunity right now, which really mm-hmm, excites yeah. me mm-hmm. about a lot. Um, in the tech space, as you know, with my mark, we're really trying to be pioneers there. Yeah. Um, and then with stream and forward thinking on premium financing, right? And just kind of seeing where this industry could be headed or where we think it's headed and taking calculated yeah. moves and risks. That. We do that in the PNC space. I am yeah. so trying to move the needle on the tech yeah. and what yeah. people are experiencing. Right. So when we saw it on your end, I was like, this is perfect. That's this how vision. we found you. Yeah, That's how we found you was the, the old general agency that we worked yeah. with. It was, you know, it was um, send in the person's, you know, name, date of birth, height, weight, yeah. if they're on any medication. On a napkin. Yeah. And, you know, and then they'll, they'll send you back quoted information and then right. like yeah and then you have to you know send back an application yeah. and sometimes it was paper apps and like Couldn't he was just it. looking at it when we were like, opening nope. up the agency and he was like there's got to be a better way to do this absolutely um and then we found you guys through technology mm-hmm. um and obviously we're very very thankful for that great no i'm yeah. glad yeah so we had the idea of my mark prior to COVID hitting we had just started saving up to 
invest in this very expensive program that we've built. And hmm. so it would have been amazing if it was around during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have predicted the pandemic like a little bit sooner. But um, anyways, long and short is we're so excited to have it that it's here and it's working seamlessly and yeah. that agents are really excited about it. So, so something I've seen even uh, in the past year working with you guys is you seem to have these really... Uh, I would say calculated hires, people mm -hmm. like Tim, where it's like he does certain things yeah. very well. That's very niche, mm -hmm. right? Because there's not a bunch of people doing premium finance no. that are doing it at a high level. He, he does it at a high level. And the right way. And <laughs> you only amplify the sharkiness with a bigger commission. So I understand right. yeah. that, yes. you know, exploitative behavior yes. on big commissions is even can be even worse. Yeah. Um, are you guys looking to continue that model of like finding experts in that field? Or are you just trying to train people Absolutely. to be experts in that field? Yeah, it's a delicate dance actually between trying to train someone and find people like Tim, right? Sure. Um, it's difficult too. There's not too many yeah. people <laughs> yeah. that just have this great knowledge of insurance and those that do have either started their own companies, right? Um, yeah, there, there's a few people on our radar right now, which I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they will come on over. But we definitely have taken the the seat in, hey, let's just recruit really good people yeah. that are smart, quick-witted, quick right, mm -hmm. that are easy to talk to, that people just are drawn to, right? Yeah. And let's train them to learn yeah, how the, to educate others on life insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's the so, Apple and Google mindset of like, let's let's hire around the competencies and the abilities absolutely. and then we'll create a job. Exactly. You know, I almost don't them. want insurance people. Right. Honestly, I, I would rather not I hire know. someone with experience because I, I have to unwind and some people, just the nature of them, you yeah. can't unwind them. It's, it is it's, what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. unscrambling the eggs. So, it doesn't uh, Right. We just want so to nice to like be able to build them the way you want to build them. Yeah. And again, because we're trying to be honest, ethical, do it the right way. If they're used to a different way, you're letting it's <laughs> a fox into the hen house absolutely. and we do not want that. Yeah, well said. So most of the time we're trying to train people. That's our model. But mm -hmm. if you find the right person, it's easy. Are you guys thinking about acquisition for getting the right person? We haven't looked at that quite yet. But it's been on the mind. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, so I <laughs> think that's a, for us, we've talked about acquisition is going to be a part of our yeah. game. Because you said it, the people who are doing it well are usually right. in there's their own few, business. Yeah, there's a few agencies out there. And as they're, you know, the CEOs of those companies are starting to age out, right? Because the life insurance industry is... yeah. yeah a much older demographic, um, which is another thing we should talk about is how there's a lack of young people getting into this industry. My wife's grandfather um, passed away a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. We were going through some of his old stuff and mm -hmm. he was a, um, a life insurance salesman for, I want to say Northwestern Mutual. Yeah. And he's got all of these old like buttons and awards right. and things like that. And he was that guy with the hat and yeah. the briefcase, you know, <laughs> walking it. up to your front door in the, you know, in the fifties and sixties to talk to you so about buying now. a, a $10,000 life insurance right. policy. Yeah. Um, but it was like such an encouragement. Yeah, 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 totally. And it was such an encouragement to me. Cause I was like, man, I'm, I'm making my living in this space. And here, like he was doing this, you know, yeah. decades ago. Um, but yeah, we're seeing that, that older, that older generation transitioning out. out. Yeah. yeah. And not a whole lot of people coming to sort of fill the vacuum that, exactly. you know, that's being created. So right. I think, uh, the view of insurance is part of it. Do you, do you have an opinion on why else young people aren't joining? I think insurance does a really poor job marketing to those young people. For sure. And I think because these big corporations such as Google, right. And Facebook and you yeah, name the tech it, stuff. the tech space, they're offering these crazy benefit packages, right? Their salaries might be low, oftentimes Ish. not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then they have these huge benefit packages on top of it where life insurance agencies are, you know, captive like Northwestern mutuals. I don't believe that they give like these crazy incentives yeah. on the benefits. And so I think there's that lack of draw to be getting into the industry as well. We think of tech as like, oh, they're just attracting people away with all these benefits. You should offer them. Right. <laughs> you should be that. You I don't should. know. I don't know why people in insurance go, oh, that's it's too much based right. on what? Yeah, exactly. I, I, you should be able to give good health benefits, good vacation. People should be able to work from Bali if they want to, if, if they're doing a good job. They should be afforded those same things if they're killing Right. Them. So I okay, think the so industry I may not pay different. for 70% of your health insurance, but you can work from Bali all next month if you'd like. <laughs> I just don't see, sure. and insurance and agencies and even the, I would say the actual carriers, they right. don't do a good job of that. Like you sit at a yeah. desk, you do the job. I think that's a really poor way of getting people in the door. I agree. So that has to change completely. We're trying to do it on our end. There's in general, 
good ways of doing business and bad ways of doing business. What do you see the character traits of someone who's doing it well in the life insurance, long-term care, whatever that space is? What are those things that people yep. need to work on or just, hey, if I have that skill, this is perfect for you? Education, first and foremost. Hmm. Individuals who are committed to learning and always having an open mind, right? Because our industry is forever going to keep changing with mm -hmm. tax code, you name it, legislation, yeah. right? And so if you are open to change and you're agile and you're quick to, you're a quick starter, right? In the sense of, I need to become an expert at this. I need to know more about this. I need to segue. You need to be able to zig and zag in this mm -hmm. industry sure. really well because sure. there's always a new law coming into play, right? And yeah. it changes your whole business, right? When the estate exemption went up, it killed a ton of our cases, right? Sure. And it's like all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, I don't need the insurance anymore for mm -hmm. this tax. So you've got to become really creative and figure out, okay, well, how are we going to market to this segment of people? Or, you know, how do we create new relationships with people who are interested in these topics, right? Yeah. And so always just having that open mind and being willing to learn new tricks of the mm -hmm. trade, right? And sure. people who are just always trying to self-better themselves as well. That's those are the type of people we're looking mm. for. I love that. Yeah. yeah, when we started learning about just IUL and depth and whole life, I remember going on a YouTube just rabbit hole yeah. and being stuck in it. But I guess it's two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's two in the morning. My phone is buzzing with like, dude, yeah. look at this reel. Check like, out this check clip. Out, look, look at this. this, you this. Yeah. 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 And I get a little obsessive and whether it's a good or bad thing, sometimes right. it works out to my detriment because I don't sleep much because my mind won't shut it right. off. But the other is that, yeah. Because I want to be so good at something, mm -hmm. I get obsessive, but I get good at it. I love it. And uh, it's a really important thing that people have to be cognizant of. If you want to do it well, you should be a little obsessive. Absolutely. Like and be the expert in yeah. the room, right? Yeah. That's what I want to be. I want to no. be the one whose people are asking the questions, right? Like that's yeah. where you should aspire to be. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really great point. Can I ask just how yeah. you guys came up with the name Watermark? Yeah. Where did a it come from? A lot of people ask us this question, which well, yeah. I love. I did not want to be... The Rex Churchill Insurance Agency. Oh, yeah. Right? We had the same issue. Very boring. <laughs> yeah. So I um, was trying to become creative. I love my favorite color is blue. Okay. Follow me on this rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. Journey, okay? Right. And I was thinking I love water, right? Blue is a very calming color. When I'm thinking about logos, what do I want it to look like? This, that. And a watermark is a, a, a form of security, right? Sure on a document. And so, as you know, with insurance, every yeah. policy is watermarked with yeah. the insurance carrier's logo yeah. and name. And yeah. so we came up with Watermark Insurance. It's brilliant. Thanks. I How mean, long it really did it take is. to go from like, that concept to actually going, oh, that's it? Was it like a day or did it take no, months? No, it was actually like a week. It wasn't that long. Okay. So we had like uh, innovative was one, uh, creative, you know, I was trying to play into that. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I think we should just go something completely like, different from what's out there right now well in your platform the the my mark mm -hmm. platform i think the website is leave my mark yeah, right it Isn't is it? Yeah. which is another brilliant yeah. marketing concept <laughs> because that's what Thank life you. insurance does mm -hmm. i mean exactly. it, you know it leaves a legacy of wealth for your family yeah. um and so i just I, i've loved everything about it thank I, you I yeah it's we great. it's been fun with all these like you know spin-off companies right my mark stream right they yeah. all play into the watermark name yeah so True. it's been yeah. a lot of fun yeah I did not think of that 12 years ago, right? Sure. It's like it worked Absolutely. out perfect. Yeah. I saw it. Did you pick up golfing recently? Uh, no, I just tried it for the first time. Got it. So you did. You picked it up. Well, how did I it go? I totally picked it up. Uh, great. We lost. <laughs> well, that's a big part of the insurance world. You go, golf is hard. Oh, it's, wow. Golf is really I'm hard. I'm a tennis there. player. So. Okay. Well, then you should be able to figure it no, out. No, it's totally different Get swing. Out. It's yeah. not. It's different swing, but it has the same characteristics for hand-eye. It yeah. does. Yes, it yeah. does. Are you going to keep at it or are you just you over it. You know, I've always said that's actually a great point to bring up is women in this business. If they could learn how to golf, you would close so <laughs> much business on the golf course. Because if you think about it, it's all men on the golf course. It's exactly and where do all is. men close deals on, on the, the golf, golf course. course? My dad's number one reason for getting me golf lessons when I was 12 is Smart. he told me that the biggest deals in America are closed on the golf course. Okay. They are. So secret. And I'm, I selfishly want women golfers on my scramble teams. Okay. Their tees are way farther forward. <laughs> so if they, they hit it well and they play well, they're way farther forward. So yeah. whenever I have played with a woman, we've won those tournaments because if they're 
they're good. They can just hit it out there, and they will right. always out hit the men because they're way out in front of us. So my balls stay nice and low and flat. They go far, <laughs> but they don't pop up Whatever. in the air. So I've learned I'm actually better at what's that called? Putting? The putting game? Sure. sure. I'm a good putter. So another okay. thing that I've wanted to use is we hire more and more. Uh, I can't remember if it was Microsoft, but there was a high-up executive who would take people who he was interviewing to golf and then to lunch. Interesting. He would see how they played the game. Okay. Are you cheating? Are you being honest with uh -huh, yourself okay. and others, right? When no one's like looking, that. he always yeah. had their eye on him. And then he would take him to lunch to see how he treated the wait staff. And he would purposefully go to the same table, I love that. same waiter, and the waiter would make uh, their order wrong. Okay. And the whole purpose was to see what kind of person are you? Just, how do you, yeah. treat other how people? do you treat other people? And uh, I always thought that's a fascinating thing, but golf is. really is that. a little microcosm of life. Yeah. I, I like to think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really love it. So when I saw the picture of you golfing, I was like, no way. So that's really fun. cool. I it hope was, you keep it at it. Time. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And thing. I think I closed a deal on that little golf Did excursion. You? So yeah. I've done a lot of golf clients. Yeah. It's a really good way to get time it's with amazing. people. Yeah. It really is. Well, and if anything, it, it, it deepens relationships as well. Like even if a product yeah. sale doesn't come out of it, um, the You the can't talk business time, for four hours. Yeah. No, you cannot. So it has to no. be personal, kids, family, go, yeah. all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then yeah. they know that too that you're not like a square that just sells this. <laughs> yeah, you you know. a, you're a real person. Yeah. You have personality, yeah. right? As far as technology, you kind of talked about that. I want to go back to it. Yeah. Do you guys have, okay, so Stream is a new thing that you guys just kind of rolled out. Right. It's the premium finance, which I think we're going to talk more with Tim, but where Absolutely. did that stem from? Because premium finance has been established, mm -hmm. but to move the needle, I would say downward right. in yeah. income and net worth, like, did you guys come up with? With that or is that something that's kind of just cutting edge that other people are doing i mean it definitely exists out in the marketplace today but we just felt that it's an underserved community right mm -hmm. that hey if you can mortgage your home right everyone can do that leverage is a big it's part available of life to most building. people yeah. right so why not make premium finance of life insurance available to most people as well and sure. so make it affordable it just makes more sense. It's the smarter way of purchasing life insurance, right? Yeah. And so yeah, making leverage, it available to what we like to call the Henrys, the high earners, not rich yet. Mm -hmm. So people who, you know, take me back in my late 20s, early 30s, right, that were making great annual incomes, but not, I had no net worth at the time, right? I yeah. barely owned the house. So. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, if I was able to finance my life insurance policy at that point in time, I wouldn't have bought term, right? I would have yeah. taken the whole life or the, the indexed universal life policy and uh, not, I don't want to say wasted those that money towards a term policy, but I knew back in my late 20s that I needed a life insurance policy for the rest of my life, yeah. that it wasn't going to term out just yeah. after 30 years, right? Yeah. And so to make that available to the greater general public is really exciting to us. And so we feel like it's going to really take off and be a game changer for our industry. I think conceptually too, a lot of people think as uh, term insurance is like a liability, it's just a cost right. on their balance sheet. Exactly. Whereas when you, when you think of IUL and then you think of premium finance, you're thinking of it, how is it a tool for me instead of just a yeah. cost on the, on the balance sheet? Exactly. So I think that for people, as it goes further and further down, is going to have to force them to think about it different, which I think is yeah. fascinating. And how is my money making money for me while I sleep too? Yeah. Right. So it's, work smarter yeah and we've, we've done a deep dive on the infinite banking concept mm -hmm. too and just like yeah. imagine making money twice on the same money that's already it's sitting there no it's a no-brainer yeah yes. and again sharky behavior on some of that stuff but if you're, you're setting people up properly that's in any industry though insurance really gets it bad I know. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. Any other innovative products that you guys are kind of working on or what is the next building block that you're really trying to roll out at Watermark? If I could figure out a way to underwrite someone before showing them an insurance quote, that's like my trillion dollar idea. Do you think quoting first and then something happening in, in their screens, unraveling it, is that a big issue that you guys see? So a lot of the times with my mark, right, people will go through the quoting phase and then they'll apply because they're mm -hmm. like, this looks great, right? Yeah, it's great, and great. Yep, yep. I think I'm this, I think I'm preferred. Yeah. And then there's something in their medical records mm -hmm. that yeah. says they're not, right? And they're either declined or the pricing goes jumps way up. up. And yeah. so how do we mitigate that, right? Yeah. How do we stop people from seeing these, I don't want to call them fake quotes. They're not fake, right? right. But them retuning their brains to think, yeah. okay, I'm really at this cost point, not this price. Yeah. So if we could figure out a way when I log into my mark or right, or if I go onto the website and 
all of the data sources of the world are already pulled into sure. my computer. So when I say I want 20 year term for a million dollars, it already knows my underwriting class. Hmm. That's that's the that's big the future, end. you think? That's the future. I think it's possible. It's One just who has the funds to create <laughs> it. That's expensive. Yeah. One of my old executives at the captive agency I used to work at, he would say if somebody came in and they were table rated or rated yeah. substandard, he would call the client and he would, he's like, you just have to be bold with it. And he said, <laughs> I would, I would look at them and I would say, Hey, I got great news. We were able to secure your life insurance policy and it's going to be more expensive than we thought. And he's like, inevitably <laughs> long pause on the other line, you know? And then he would say, but Hey, given your medical history, I didn't think that we were going to be able to underwrite this at all. I love it. And so helping people understand that yeah. medical history is a huge, huge part of it, if Absolutely. not 99% of it. Right. Um, so their, you know, their prescription drug profiles, their current mm -hmm. health, you know, all of those things, family medical history. And so sometimes people are just in bad positions right. where it's going to cost yeah. more. I'm an asthmatic and mm -hmm. uh, I, I pay a little bit more for right. my insurance annually. Uh, because I've had asthma attacks and been hospitalized for it and things oh, like gosh. that. That's part of yeah. that's part of my life. It is, um, and also part of what could take my life. Right. <laughs> and so I need to protect my family smart, against yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, my brother had a big medical episode and you know, hospital for a bunch of days. Could have been really bad. Mm -hmm. uh, they ended up having to continue treatment, and then he's on medication for the rest of his life for mm -hmm. for those things. And you know, he had some term, but right. he's twenty when it happened mm -hmm. and now he's like you know i would almost pay the extra right because he understands that eventually at some point in his life that is probably what's going to take him so he's right. like i would pay it right? right it's almost a an inverse relationship but it's expensive because it's no, going it's to take so you yeah. so you know it's a it's a funny balance yeah. but um and i love yeah. how life insurance now its only use is not for the day you die right yeah. now there's all these really cool so, living benefits yeah, right now benefits are great that i think are so exciting to be sharing with the general public that don't understand that life insurance is now you can use it while you're alive yeah. not just when you die mm -hmm, so yeah. i think that's really well, a, a hurdle that i ran into a lot with life insurance is people would and i think that whole life sort of um tackles this problem mm -hmm. is that people will buy a term policy and then when you ask them you know how much life insurance do you have they'll say i have a 20-year term and they won't think about the fact that they purchased it right. seven or eight years ago exactly so you'll look at a policy and you'll say well you actually have a nine-year term mm -hmm. and they'll say well no it's a 20-year term it was it was, it was. the <laughs> yeah. day that you bought it but yeah. whole life whole life and universal life tackle right. that problem Absolutely. because it's going to be in good it's going to be good indefinitely right i yeah. love that well, Nicole, uh, I think this has been a really good podcast. We're really yeah. happy that you, you decided to so come much. on. No, thank you for um, coming. We're going to have Tim on the next one. We're really excited for that. you got a lot of good people at Watermark. Thank you. I hope you keep hiring more good people because they help us a ton. Yeah. And uh, we're just good. really grateful for you uh, being here. And we just wanted to wrap up the episode on the Risky Assets podcast. Hope you enjoyed and look out for the next one. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.